You're listening to the Market Experts Show. I'm Daryl Baskin of EXP Realty on your home for success, 105.7. What are the consequences of forbearance on your mortgage? Steve Brown with First United Bank Mortgage. Steve, can you can you help us with this? Like getting a new loan? Like you went into forbearance, took forbearance, and you've now recovered. Everything's great, but you your loan's still in forbearance. You want to buy another house. Can you qualify? You can, but there, it is a little bit tricky. And this is this has come up a lot during the during the pandemic, as everybody knows that that forbearance option is out there to skip your payments, so to speak. So the impact that it does have on you. So let's say, for example, you're wanting to buy another house. Well, in order to qualify, it's going to show up on your credit report if you have a mortgage on a house. It's going to show up that that loan is in forbearance. So what that triggers us as a mortgage lender, if you're buying a new house or refinancing a new home, you have to bring that payment current. Before you can qualify. Yes, that is correct. But now, wait a minute. Aren't you going to be bringing it current in the process of the sale that's taking place? Because normally you're selling a house and you're buying a house, if this is your situation. You're selling a house and you're simultaneously buying a house. The current mortgage doesn't count against you because you know that you're paying that off or the lender knows you're paying that off before you're closing on the purchase of your new one. That would be what we would call like a domino. But what if you've, you're in forbearance and part of paying off, part of selling your house is paying off the loan, clearing all of that out before you make your new purchase? Is that the trick? Yes. So that is allowed. But let's say, for example, let's say you have a house that you're that you're you're not selling and you on paper, you qualify for two mortgages. So say you're going to retain that house that has a mortgage and you're going to go ahead and buy a new home. We see this often because let's face it, in this market, you need to know where you're going to get a Yeah. Yeah. And people are not sellers are, are less likely to accept a contingency offer. So if people qualify, they're going to go ahead and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to buy this house. I'll sell this house later, but I want to I get the deal on this next house. So in that scenario where you're not selling your house simultaneously and you have a mortgage on that house that's in deferment, or then yes, in that scenario, that's where you would have to bring that mortgage current on so, that house that you're retaining. But what, you, what I'm hearing you say is you can have a house in forbearance a loan currently under the forbearance guidelines, and you can purchase a new home as long as the forbearance loan is paid off before you close on your new loan. Can that be a condition of your home purchase? Yes, it can be. Is that new? Because I thought one of my recent clients was having difficulty with a lender because they didn't have theirs paid off and they couldn't go ahead with their purchase. Yeah. So I had a scenario, and, and this is just very fresh for me, a client moving from out of state, they took advantage of the forbearance option that is out there. And now in their scenario, it was a simultaneous close. So they closed on their house and part of the part of the proceeds went to not only pay off their mortgage, but whatever that amount was that was in forbearance took care of that via their proceeds. Then they used the net money from that to purchase this next house. We really sound like nerds. We are nerding out on all of this forbearance detail. Do you see why you need a good realtor and a, a good mortgage guy, a, a good mortgage gal, somebody that can just be your nerd? You hire them to be your nerd, and then you don't have to mess with all this stuff? 
Yeah, as I as I often like to say, I'm the I'm the coolest nerd that I know. <laughs> All right, Steve Brown, First United <laughs> Bank Mortgage. So let's keep going with uh, when it comes to uh, refinancing. When you have a second mortgage, how do you remain? How does the if you're refinancing your first mortgage? Does the second mortgage automatically have to stay in second position or automatically bump into first position? How does a refinance handle a second mortgage? There's a couple of options that we have with that. So let's say, for example, that the second mortgage that you took out on the home was after you purchased it. So you bought the house five years ago. Then you, you put in a first pool. You, got your, you have your original loan on and then Five years later, you get a second mortgage for some home improvements, whatnot. So in that scenario, yes, you could keep that second mortgage in place. And what they do, that's called a, they resubordinate that second mortgage. So whoever the bank is that has that second mortgage, you just have to get in contact with them and say, hey, we're refinancing our first mortgage with another lender. Uh, are you guys good being in second position? Because now, they would a lot of legal terminology that goes. They would that, automatically that's, that's go to the process. They would automatically go to first position once the other loan is paid off, right? That would be an automatic in the process. Yes, it would be. However, if you're refinancing that first mortgage with another, then that person, that bank, is going to be in the first position. So the so conversation, that's why you're the uh, the conversation would go like this: Ring, ring, Mister Banker. I'd like to visit with you about resubordination. <laughs> That's correct. <laughs> That's a big word. I like that word. I just feel it is important. Resubordinate. Yes. I feel important yes. that I would be talking to my banker about them resubordinating. Yes. And th there may be times where they they may not even understand what it is that you're talking about, <laughs> but they'll, they'll they'll go with it too. Yeah. Yes, we do that all the time. Now, can you buy me lunch while we talk about? Your resubordination. <laughs> Perfect. There you go. <laughs> Steve Brown with uh, First United Bank Mortgage. And last, Steve, on the uh, rapid fire question, that's we've, we've been kind of slow fire here, but what is the debt to income ratio, the ideal debt to income ratio? If I'm buying a house and I make uh, $5,000 a month, how much can I spend on my house payment? So the general rule of thumb, the perfect scenario is we want to say debt to income ratio 36% or less, meaning whatever your gross wages are per month, we want your total debts, including your house payment to be 36% or less. And how much above the 36%, what the next spread is how much revolving debt I can have. How much total can I have in revolving debt, like credit cards? Right, so that's kind of a moving target we can because our we have an automated system that is allowed by fannie mae freddie mac which are government sponsored entities for those of you that don't know out there so we run it through their automated system and we've seen profiles take as high as a 49 percent debt to income ratio so you want about 50 you want at least 50 percent of your money left over each month steve Correct. brown first united bank mortgage web address stevebrownmortgage.com you're that guy i hear on the radio gosh i feel so much more enlightened you're listening to the market expert show with exp realty i'm daryl baskin <laughs>